0: Welcome to the Green Acres Garden Podcast with Farmer Fred, the podcast that'll help gardeners like you to get an even greener thumb. So whether you're new to gardening or a seasoned horticulturist, you're sure to learn something new. And today it's all about tomatoes. There's a lot of tomato varieties at Green Acres Nursery and Supply right now and some tricks to planting them to get those tomatoes off to a healthier start. We also have a staff pick that isn't a tomato, but it is a very fragrant garden herb. Let's get started. We're at Green Acres Nursery and Supply Gardens Center. Nick is with us again. And Nick, there are tomatoes here. There are peppers here. This looks fabulous. It's still a little early to be planting, though. That's
1: right, Fred. We like to have have options for customers, especially those who want to get an early start on gardening. Um, You won't see the full selection quite yet, but we do have a lot of uh, basic variety tomatoes and some early peppers that you can get started on if you got that itch.
0: You have a large supply of tomatoes here today, including some that I would recommend for the beginning gardener. If you want to get off to a good start... And have a successful tomato year. There are... Three tomato plants that I would recommend. One would be a cherry tomato, which is a small tomato. One would be an early maturing tomato. And one would be a main season tomato, the type you'd slice up and put on a burger. And Nick, you have all three here. You've got the Sweet 100 Cherry Tomato. You've got the Early Girl Tomato. And you have the Ace. All three of those are hybrids, which basically means they've been bred for performance and you're going to have plenty of them uh, throughout the growing season. That's right. Those are all uh, staple varieties for us, and
1: we usually keep those ones in stock. All of these are um, hybrid tomatoes, so their genetics are packed into um, disease resistances, productivity, and
0: um, resistance to things like heat in our area. Exactly. In fact, if you go out and you start reading the labels on the backs of these tomatoes, and I recommend you do because there's a lot of good advice on these tomato labels that can really help you out when it comes to growing. It'll tell you to grow them in full sun to keep well watered. You want to space the plants 24 to 36 inches apart. I would probably go 36. Uh, It tells you the number of days it matures, and that's the time basically at this point from planting until harvest. And in the case of this particular tomato, the red cherry tomato, which is a cherry tomato, obviously, uh, it's 75 days, which is actually kind of long for a cherry tomato because cherry tomatoes can produce usually in 50, 55 days or so. But again, that's one of the beauties of choosing different varieties is that with different maturation dates, you can have an extended harvest. That's right. And you will typically see cherry tomatoes
1: ready earliest. They have smaller fruit, so they're going to take less time usually to mature that fruit. A lot of tomatoes tend to take somewhere between 60 and 80 days to mature. There's a lot of variance between that. And that's where a tomato like early girl can really stand out, usually ready in
0: like 55, 50 to 55 days. Exactly. And when we talk about, especially for the beginning tomato gardener to have those three varieties, the cherry tomato, the early maturing tomato, full-size tomato, and the main season tomato, most of them, in fact, all three of them are indeterminate.
1: I always like to say indeterminate tomatoes grow to an indeterminate point. They continue to grow. They're more of a vine, a vining tomato. Um, Those are the ones you're going to see produce from summer and all the way into, I mean, we've had people get tomatoes November, December if it stays warm enough. Determinate tomatoes grow to a determinate place, a certain height, and they bear a lot of fruit all at once. So they're more of like a bush type tomato. A lot of people prefer indeterminate because they want
0: tomatoes over a continuous period, but determinate tomatoes do have their use. Determinate tomatoes are great for canning. In fact, we're standing in front of one right here, the San Marzano, which is a plum-shaped tomato that get about oh three inches or so long and maybe an inch wide or so. But the beauty of the tomatoes like the San Marzano and the Roma. And other determinate tomatoes like that is they set their fruit mostly at one time. And if you're into canning, if you want to preserve the harvest, that's what you're looking for, an instant 20 pounds worth of tomatoes.
1: The other notable thing about canning tomatoes, like saucer tomatoes, is that they have a really low seed count. So you're going to have a lot of meat in there, which is perfect for making tomato sauce or paste or something where you want that concentrated tomato flavor.
0: Now, there is one disease or misorder, disorder, really, that uh, a lot of, of uh, the canning tomatoes, the paste tomatoes get. It's called Blossom End Rot, B-E-R for short. And Blossom End Rot is notable for its brown, leathery bottom of the tomato. And that brown, leathery look doesn't harm the tomato itself. You can cut that off and use the rest of it. But several of the reasons why they get Blossom End Rot is usually due to in consistent water, due to the wrong pH of your soil, due to slow draining soil or too sandy soil. There's a lot of reasons why they get it. And basically, uh, people who love to can tomatoes just live with it.
1: There are a few things you can do. Um, Adding extra calcium, um, particularly in the beginning of the season, it does tend to happen, um, especially in our area, whether or not you prepare for it or not, uh, we get that that mid-spring rain that tends to soften up the soil. It's fairly common to see this issue.
0: One of the reasons that blossom end rot occurs is because of what's called root suberization, where the roots become corky and they cannot absorb the calcium that is in the soil. And the reason those roots get suberized is because of the inconsistencies of watering the wrong pH or sandy soil. So basically the calcium's there, they just can't uh, suck it up through uh, their root system. And uh, sometimes, like I say, the best thing to do is just live with it. All right, let's talk about some of the tomatoes you have here. Now, we mentioned hybrid tomatoes. There are also heirloom tomatoes, too. And I believe this one that I just picked up the skin on is an heirloom. It's it's Jubilee. This one is Yellow Jubilee, and it, it comes from the fine folks at Isley's Nursery. Yes, uh,
1: locally grown uh, at our at Isley's Nursery. Uh, supply a lot of our tomatoes here. Yellow Jubilee is a wonderful yellowy-orange. Tomato. Um, if you have issues with acidity in tomatoes, which I know a lot of tomato lovers do have issue with um, handling very acidic tomatoes, typically yellow orange varieties, especially like yellow Jubilee, are going to be low acid and be a great tomato for you.
0: Exactly. And you can find out a lot of information, like I say, just by reading the tag that comes with the tomato. I know the Jubilee is a favorite. It gets to be a good size tomato, it can easily get to a half pound or so. And uh, it's a wonderful yellow slicing tomato, the yellow jubilee. There's also an orange jubilee out there as well. Oh, here's one of my a very popular cherry tomato now. It's a yellow
1: cherry tomato. It's the Sun Gold. Sun Gold's one of our most popular cherry tomatoes. Um, it's going to be a similar size and shape to Sweet 100, but it's going to be that orangey-yellow color. Extremely sweet flavor. There, I always recommend them to... Uh, season and new gardeners they're especially great to get kids into gardening because you can always have a little snack when you go out to check on the plants there's always something ready mid-season on them
0: another tomato that uh, is very popular in the bay area or areas with um maybe a lot of maritime influence and you know you don't get full sun all the time uh, the shady lady tomato
1: yeah, so shady lady is um, a part of the um, like Russian family of tomatoes, or these are tomatoes that tend to be uh, come from higher elevation or higher latitudes. Um, so they do grow with less sunlight, and they can actually handle colder temperatures. So if you do find like a shady spot, you're in the Bay Area or an area where you don't get as much sun, or you're at higher elevations where you're worried about a little more frost, they can be a great variety to uh, stick with.
0: There's a lot of great varieties here at Green Acres Nursery and Supply Garden Center. But, Nick, it's March. It is. And the weather could uh, turn on a dime. There could be windstorms. There could be hail. There could be another frost, although by this time of the year here in the Sacramento area, it's less than a 50% chance. So do you feel lucky? Still, you ought to protect these in the meantime.
1: Yep, and there's a variety of ways to do so. You might have heard of the old uh, homage of using like a uh, milk carton, a two-gallon jug. You can stick that over it. I think what would be better is we have like a water wall where you actually have a protection that goes around the plant and it's filled with water, so you use water to insulate the plant. Just remember to take those off once we're actually in season and the risk of frost is gone so that that tomato can actually get more light and and grow uh, beyond the protection.
0: Yeah, actually using those one-gallon plastic jugs, cutting off the bottom, taking the top off and slipping it over that small tomato plant can't offer it protection at night. But like you say, come daytime and the daytime temperatures get into the 70s or 80s, you want to remove that because it would act like a hothouse and probably fry that plant.
1: Yeah, you could you could bake it pretty good.
0: So you just want to be a... Uh, consider of what you're doing there. All right. There's a lot of uh, tomatoes here at Green Acres. Let's uh, go down the row here and uh, take a look at some of them. We have here um, Oh, here's one of my favorites here. And this is a very popular tomato. It's the Champion and the Champion 2. Both excellent main season tomatoes.
1: Yeah, they're a wonderful slicer. Uh, larger size, great for sandwiches, and burgers. They also have a good disease resistance. So if you know you've had issues with anything like uh, verticinitis Fusarium, fusarium, nematodes, tomato mosaic virus, these are issues that you would you would know if you'd had them in previous seasons. Um, tomato
0: like this can be resistant to catching those again. Well, you bring up a very good point about uh, all the diseases that a tomato can possibly get, and when you start reading the labels on the tomatoes, you may notice letters like V, F, N, T, A, and ST. What do all those stand for?
1: Uh, V is going to be for verticillium Verticillium wilt um, Then there's F is for fusarium and is going to be for nematodes, uh, live in your soil, chew on things. And then T is for tobacco mosaic virus. Uh, and tomatoes being in the uh, in the same family as tobacco are susceptible to this this virus getting
0: on them. What he's trying to say is, don't smoke around your tomato plants. <laughs> really, don't smoke around your tomato plants. And then St is for stemphylium gray leaf spot. Okay, so gray, ST means gray leaf spot, go figure. And the A is for alternaria, which is another uh, fungus disease. And there are some here that I don't even recognize. I'm very familiar with the Celebrity, which, by the way, is an All-America Selections winner of uh, some of the best tomatoes you can grow. Celebrity is one of those winners that has won uh, numerous accolades throughout the United States for its production and its taste. Now, there is one here I don't recognize. It's called Celebration. Yeah, so Celebration is an improved variety
1: of Celebrity. Plants have come a long way. Breeders are constantly growing to try to improve uh, classic varieties. And so we've got this grower who is offering Celebration, which is a a newer breeding of Celebrity Tomato.
0: Most people know what a tomato leaf looks like, but then right next to it, you're going to see what you think might be a different plant but no it's a tomato plant as well except its leaves are what are called potato leaf leaves and this is a hallmark especially of heirloom
1: tomatoes yeah you don't tend to see it as much on on hybrid tomatoes um one of the classic just classic heirloom tomatoes brandywine which i think a lot of people are familiar with has that potato leaf that broad leaf Uh, no separation um,
0: through it. Let's talk a little bit about heirloom tomatoes. These are tomatoes that have been handed down from generation to generation. Usually heirlooms are considered 50 years or older varieties. They tend to be open pollinated, which means you could save the seeds from those as long as there wasn't any cross-pollination involved. And uh, From what I understand, most tomato plants will produce true from their own seed if their heirlooms are open pollinated 95% of the time, so that's the good news. Randy Wyand that you have here, it, it was developed back in Pennsylvania. And what do you know about heirlooms that uh, started here on the West Coast? Well, we've got a uh, whole line
1: of heirlooms coming from Napa Valley, um, wild boar. You might have heard of uh, heard of them. They are um, open pollinated new varieties of heirloom tomatoes. We usually get a good supply of those in mid spring and in April. And they have a lot of really unique varieties
0: of, of new heirlooms. In fact, I believe on this episode we're going to be hearing from Brad Gates from Wild Boar Farms about those varieties that he has uh, bred consistently over the years. He calls them the heirlooms of the future, but indeed they are open pollinated tomatoes. Very beautiful and very tasty. Probably arriving early April.
1: Yeah, typically we see those... um April, like right at the start of April, and then we usually get another reload mid-April. Um, but check with your local store when we get closer to
0: to those dates. All right. If you want a good large tomato that is just perfect for slicing, putting on sandwiches, one of the most consistent performers in our area is the Big Beef. And right now, you've got Big Beef tomatoes here.
1: We do. Yeah, Big Beef are going to be uh, part of that beef steak family. So there's uh, we typically see uh, beef steak. Big Beef, like we're looking at right now, and then also Beef Master. Uh, All of these are going to be your just huge tomatoes. One slice fills a whole burger or a whole sandwich. Uh, Very meaty. Going to be great tomatoes for that. Big beef, uh, just a little difference between some of them. Beefmaster is your classic uh, variety for this. Big beef is going to produce a little faster than uh, beef steak, and
0: then Beefmaster packs disease resistance into it. All right, and, and big beef has disease resistance, too. We should point out that if you're going to be growing uh, one of these larger beefsteak tomatoes, the plant themselves... And this is true for many tomato plants. They will get five or six feet tall, and so you're going to have to support them somehow. You don't want them sprawling on the ground. We've had a lot of new gardeners come through here, and they always come back very
1: surprised to see their tomatoes have quintupled in size or more. Um, Put a cage on it as soon as you plant it because you're going to forget about it and turn around and the plant will be, like you said,
0: five or six feet tall, and it's going to be impossible to get a cage around there. And there's many different forms of cages. I, I, behind us, we have a display of uh, the, the conical-shaped cages here. And I would suggest you get the tallest ones available just because tomato plants can get kind of tall. And you, you have the interesting square ones that basically fold up flat that you can uh, open up. And you've got this uh, perfect uh, s- rectangle or square, really, that stands five feet tall or so. Yeah, so those ones are also
1: galvanized, so if you're looking for a cage that you can use easily, season after season, they're going to hold up and last longer because they're galvanized. And because they fold, they're also easier to
0: store somewhere and keep them out of the way, out of season. And I know you have wood stakes here for people who want to uh, put wood stakes around your tomato plants and put string around those stakes and then uh, trellis their tomatoes on that. Yep, it's um, it'd be nice if just
1: the the cage itself was good, but I usually have to end up staking or tying it down some uh, in some way, especially when it gets windy.
0: The good news is there are smaller growing tomatoes that are perfect for large containers like a 15 gallon container or a half barrel, but uh, in a 15 in in a 15 gallon container, you can grow. A tomato plant. Not a lot of tomato plants, but you can grow one tomato plant per each container. You don't want to jam three in there. Even though these plants are tiny now and it looks like you could get three in there, just do one. What are some of your favorite compact tomato varieties that are really great for containers? Two of my favorites are going to be Husky Red
1: Cherry and Patio. Uh, These are both going to be larger cherry tomatoes, kind of, I guess, somewhere between a cherry and a a typical slicer, but they are going to be determinate types, so they're going to stay smaller. And because they are a larger cherry-type tomato, they're going to have extremely high productivity in a small space. And they only get about two feet tall, three feet tall,
0: or thereabouts, perfect
1: for a container. They don't usually need staking either. Nope, they'll support themselves and, and stay compact in that that small area.
0: The other key word to look for when shopping for small tomatoes, look for the word bush in the name, like bush beefsteak. It, it produces large tomatoes, but it's on a smaller plant. That's right.
1: There's a lot of varieties that you might recognize the name, but then they have a slight twist on it. Like there'll be early girl and then bush early girl, which is just a determinate type of early girl. So if you know you like a certain indeterminate tomato, there might be a determinate variety of it, that's perfect for you.
0: All right. And again, you can find out all this information when you come to Green Acres. Talk to the garden gurus here uh, about their tomato plants, and they can uh, steer you in the right direction. But again, it's March. Could you wait until mid-April before you set them out in the garden? Uh, try. Just just try, please.
1: <laughs> There's um. There's a a lot of season ahead of us. Um, You can definitely get started early. If you know what you're doing, we can help you out with that. But don't stress if you don't get your whole garden planted right away. You have plenty of time to get spring veggies in.
0: Thank you for saying that exactly. You can plant tomatoes in our area anytime from April through July, really. It doesn't have to be an April rush. You can you can plant them as the season goes along and just keep adding to your garden if you've got the room, but uh, don't overdose it. Usually I would think for per person, how many tomato plants would you recommend in reality? Not for a, a, a wacky gardener like myself. I usually like to recommend grabbing a cherry,
1: maybe a slicer and a paster. Three higher productivity tomato plants can be plenty for a family. But if you really like tomatoes or you know you want to give them away to friends
0: or have plenty to share, you can definitely add to that. And again, for the beginning gardener, hybrid varieties uh, make the most sense because they will make you feel like the king of your garden or the queen of your garden. And so stick with hybrids. Sure, go ahead. Try an heirloom or two. But for most of your crop, if you're a beginning gardener, uh, stick with the hybrids and just uh, have an heirloom in there just to see what it does. Nick, we learned a lot about tomatoes today. Well, here comes tomato season. I'm excited. I hope you are
1: too, Fred. Thank you so much for talking with me.
0: Green Acres Nursery and Supply is hosting their ninth annual Dig into Spring Ideas Fair. It'll be held March 8th through the 13th. You can catch all the festivities online. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at I Dig Green Acres. New topics will be featured each day along with contests for some great prizes and gift cards. Check it out at I Dig Green Acres on Facebook and Instagram. We're here looking at the tomato plants at Green Acres Nursery and Supply Garden Center with our favorite retired college horticultural professor, Debbie Flower. People are buying tomato plants, Debbie. It may be a little soon to be planting them in the ground, but you have a really good tip when you plant them to maybe get them off to a better start.
2: Yes, it's. first of all, you're right. It's very early for tomatoes. Tomatoes like warm soil and unless you're prepared to protect them somehow with a cover or uh, bring them indoors at night or something uh, they could suffer from cold damage so be aware if you buy them now you may not have success unless you are really going to tend them protect them
0: yeah, ideally, the best time in our area is still April for planting out tomatoes. I still prefer late April, but then I'm old. And if you if you feel April Fool's Day is a better day, well, be my guest.
2: Right. But if you do put them in earlier, watch the night temperatures. If they're going to drop below 45... You definitely need to protect that with a floating row cover or frost cloth or something like that. Uh, The other thing about
0: tomato plants put outside in March, uh, there there are hailstorms that are fairly common in our area in March and early April. Now, fortunately, tomato plants will still be small enough that if you hear in the news that there's hail falling in the area, you could cover that plant up with a big bucket. To yes. help protect it.
2: Absolutely. Big bucket, even a cardboard
0: box would work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So those Amazon boxes come in handy. <laughs> All right. Now, so let's say it's April 1st. We're going to plant out our tomatoes, but I want a good, strong tomato plant. Should I plant them at the same level that I see it in the container?
2: No. You should plant them deeper. You need only a, a pair or two pair of leaves exposed at the soil surface and plant the tomato deeper But you don't want to go too deep. What you want to do is dig a trench and lay the plant down in in the trench with the tips sticking up and the roots sticking down and the stem traveling along the trench. New roots will form from the stem, and you'll have that much more, of the plant will have that much more ability to absorb nutrients and water, and so you'll get a much healthier, robust plant if you plant the stem into a trench.
0: All right, let's take this uh, Better Boy tomato, for example, here, and it's a young plant. It's maybe eight inches tall, and it has one, two, three, four, five, six levels of branching. Right. What would you leave
2: exposed above the soil line? I would definitely bury the one, two, three, possibly the fourth one. All right, so you'd be leaving the three top
0: branches uh, above ground? Yes. All right. Now, would you take those
2: other branches off or would you just bury them with the leaves on? You can bury them with the leaves on. I think it's easier to handle the stem if you take the leaves off, but there's there's no scientific evidence that you have to take them off. What is the benefit of planting a tomato plant that deep? You're going to get roots uh, at the along the stem in the soil, so you're going to have a much bigger root system, which allows the plant to absorb more water and nutrition and grow faster and be more stable, and produce more fruit. So what you're saying is all these little hairs that are growing along the main stem of the
0: tomato plant could become roots if they're buried?
2: Yes, they could be. Uh, I don't know that it's every hair. Hairs are, are trichomes. They're just extensions of the epidermal cells. The epidermal cells are, are the cells that surround the uh, stem, the green part of the stem. But definitely you can get, if you've looked at an old tomato, sometimes you see bumps on the stem, especially if the stem has gone horizontal for a ways, you'll see bumps on the bottom of that stem. And those would, if they touch the soil, become roots.
0: Now what about all the little armpit hairs I'll refer to on this tomato plant, which are little branches that are growing in the intersection of where there's a a horizontal branch and the main stem. You'll see these little branches uh, popping out in that armpit.
2: Right. Lose them or keep them? Uh, Depends. You get a choice there. When I uh, grew tomatoes in New Jersey, which is the garden state and tomatoes, I went to Rutgers. Tomatoes was a big uh, a research crop for, for, at Rutgers. I was told, and it has to do with our growing season because we have a short growing season in New Jersey, to take those out, take every one of them out and we would stake our tomatoes to a, a, a wooden stake or a metal stake. We'd make them very upright plants and it would be a single stem that I was told it would lead to earlier fruit production but we weren't going for quantity of fruit production we didn't have the growing season for that if you leave them on they will become their own long branches and they will produce flowers and fruit but you end up getting this very dense bushy plant great place for tomato hornworms for instance to hide (laughs) and leaf-footed bugs and leaf-footed bugs and maybe funguses to grow so you get a choice of leaving them or taking them off I tend to remove some and leave some. So are you saying that if I remove those tomato armpit hairs I will get tomatoes sooner? That is what I was told when I went to Rutgers, yes. That's a non-committal answer. I don't know if it's scientifically proven. <laughs> All right. All right. So the it, choice is yours, folks. It is. And when the season comes to an end, when we're at the other end of of the growing season and you're getting these, they're, they're shoots in, in the armpits uh, with leaves and stems of their very own. If you want to preserve your tomato over the winter, that's the part you take. You take that little uh, stem with leaves on it out of the armpit and root it. And then that will grow through the winter. Ooh, and you could have that indoors. So you put it in a pot with, would you use seed starting mix? No, I would use container mix. Okay. And right, and grow it over the winter, maybe in a greenhouse. Uh, they tend to attract white flies. It's not the easiest things to do. You'll need a sun supplement. you need to make sure they stay warm. But then if you really liked that tomato, it might be worth it to, to, to have it for the next spring. Even if it's a yucky looking plant by the time you get through the winter and start into the spring, you could propagate from that plant again. Same thing, take the stem out of the armpit, root it, and then put it into your summer garden for the next year.
0: And unlike taking the seed from the tomato that was grown from this plant and planting it the next year, you're not necessarily going to get the tomato, the same t- tomato variety uh, from as seed. Or, from, from, but if you take the armpit hair out, say in September or October, when you have figured out that, hey, I really like the, the, this tomato, this is really good, if you clip out... Those little armpit hairs and plant them in a container and
2: keep it indoors, you will get the same tomato next year. Yes, you're cloning. So you're making an exact copy of the plant that you had before.
0: Is this question going to be on the final? (laughs)
2: Everything's on the final. Okay. So this would be called asexual reproduction. Yes. Asexual propagation, right. Yep, absolutely. All right, I get an A. All right, there you go.
0: Uh, A great tip for tomatoes, not only in planting them now, but if you really like that tomato, how to save it for the next year, too. There you go. Tomato tips from Debbie Flower here at Green Acres Nursery and Supply Garden Center. Thank you, Debbie. My pleasure. Coming soon, around the first week of April, you're going to see some amazing tomato plants from wild boar farms, and you'll be able to find them at all the Green Acres Nursery and Supply Garden Centers. Wild Boar Farms offers some of the most outrageous tomato varieties available on the planet. Their focus is breeding stunning-looking tomato varieties with extreme flavor. And they have great names like Pork Chop, Berry's Crazy Cherry, Pink Berkeley Tie-Dye, and so much more. Brad Gates is the man behind Wild Boar Farms. His tomato varieties are the results of many years of hard work growing tens of thousands of plants, being very picky about seed selection, and capitalizing on some very amazing gifts from Mother Nature. Tomatoes, and in no small part due to Brad Gates' efforts, tomatoes have changed more in the last 10 years than they have in their entire existence. Tracking down Brad Gates for an interview can get a little complicated come March and April. So I was able to track him down back in February at his greenhouse where he was just starting his tomato seeds. I am looking at baby tomato plants. Oh, it's so exciting. Even though it's early February, we are at the germination grounds for Wild Boar Farms. Noted tomato hybridist If you want to call yourself a hybridist, Brad Gates is here. Brad Gates of so many wonderful varieties. And Brad,
3: the tomatoes are already breaking the surface. Yeah, that's uh, the first ones of the season right now. So you typically start around this time of year, the first week of February. And if everything goes right, these plants will be available for sale the first week of April. That'll be cool. And there are going to be a lot of great varieties.
0: What are some of the, the favorite varieties of your customers over the years? We should point out, Wellbore Farms has been around, what, 25 years? Uh, yeah, about 25 years now. Yeah. yeah. And
3: it started over in the Napa area. And what what got you into it? Um, I started when a friend of mine was a farmer and farmer's markets were popping up. And I decided to work a weekend doing farmer's market for him, and thought it was really cool and awesome and that's what I wanted to do and here you are now <laughs> starting um literally in this greenhouse
0: thousands
3: of tomato plants how many cells are in each of these trays there's 288 so they're a small plug i think this is 11 by 17 holds 288 so uh the soil size is just about the size of the tip of your finger Um, i plant them in here to start them i do them one month and then each plant gets transplanted into a larger cup and then one month after that they're ready for sale all right. And that's a lot of work to, 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 to get it to that basis
0: as well. And here it's a temperature controlled greenhouse. I would think uh, for uh, getting tomato seed started, you're you probably your nighttime minimum temperature would be what, about 50 degrees?
3: That's about what I go. Yeah, I like to keep it above 50, 55. That's if it's like really cold, 30 or 35 outside. That's still, I've found uh, keeping them above 50 is fully adequate. Um If you keep it too hot, I've seen greenhouses that were 80 degrees at night, 90 during the day. It actually stretches your plants a little bit too much. So my ideal is 55, 60 at night and about 75 during the day. It can go a little colder, a little hotter at times, but that's what I I shoot for. How many different varieties are you germinating in here? Um, Good question. I think there's about 50 varieties in here right now, but we're about to put about another... I'm about to put... At least another fifty varieties in the soil this week too. Which are the best-selling ones? Um, these Brad's Atomic grapes been really great. Um, Lucid Gem, uh, Berry's Crazy Cherry. They've every variety I have is at least somebody's favorite they've told me that's their favorite <laughs> tomato so um I got a pretty wide selection I've actually sorted through probably thousands of crosses and varieties to get to the the several dozen that I do offer
0: All right so besides starting seeds here you also must be doing some major growing someplace else where you're growing these tomato tests out and then uh, coming up with
3: some interesting combinations yeah um for the last couple years um, since I, I recently moved from Napa to Citrus Heights and uh, so the last couple years I've been growing on my farm or my friend's farm and terra- it's terra firma farm out of winters um, he grows thousands and thousands of tomato plants so um, he gives me an area to grow some for seed and for trial productions and uh, I trade them seeds and plants well that's a pretty good deal <laughs> yeah well so far it's worked out good for both of us I hope it keeps going that way
0: all right now you you mentioned a lot of great cherry uh tomato
3: varieties. What are some of your more popular big-size tomatoes? Um, the big ones, the lucid gem, the pink Berkeley tie-dye is really good, um, Blue Beauty, yeah, Solar Flare Pork Chop, those are always popular varieties. They are beautiful and they're tasty. And if people go to your website,
0: wildboarfarms.com, that is the right website in it. Okay, yep. good. They're going to find uh, pictures of all these tomatoes and you're going to start salivating. But again, uh, these won't be ready for sale at Green Acres till uh, the first week of
3: April. So hold on. (laughs) Yep. And in general, that's a great time to plant. You can sometimes sneak a couple plants in early, some early varieties, maybe a little before then. But I think planting around the first week of April around here is typically the best time
0: indeed or like i've been trying to convince sacramento for the last 30 years is to plant on my birthday april 28th but climate change has sort of uh, moved it up to your date of april fool's
3: day yeah and that is true and another thing i would i prefer to do is to do two or three plantings maybe sneak a couple plants in early and and hope everything goes right, hit your mid-season sometime in April, and then even putting plants in mid to late May can give you an extended harvest later in the summer.
0: Not only are your tomatoes popular among gardeners, but Noted chefs throughout Northern California also
3: are waiting for your tomatoes. Yeah, well, I I started off for over 20 years. That's what I was doing was growing tomatoes to sell. And then I hit all the popular neighborhoods in the Bay Area. I was from Napa and then all the nice San Francisco, Berkeley, Oakland, the whole Bay Area restaurant scene. And then in the last several years, I've evolved into selling seeds and plants, actually. And it was a good choice for me. Talk a little bit about your website, wildboarfarms.com. Um, Yeah, I have, I think when everything's in stock, I have about 60 varieties of tomatoes for sale. Um, I sell the tomato seeds, um, every different color spectrum, size, shape, taste that I could come up with. And for people who may be wondering,
0: it's not boar like I'm putting you to sleep. It's boar like I'm a fat pig. B-O-A-R, wildboarfarms.com. Brad Gates has been doing this for a quarter century. He knows what he's doing. He's producing some beautiful, beautiful tomato plants that you will want to get into your backyard garden. Start looking for them in early April at all the green acres, nursery, and supply
3: stores. Brad Gates, good job. Awesome. Thanks, Fred. Great talking with you. I'm looking forward to summer.
0: We like to talk with the knowledgeable employees here at Green Acres Nursery and Supply and and find out what they like here, what, what plants or items that they're fond of here that they'd like to tell more people about. We call it the staff pick segment. We're talking with Anna. Anna has worked here about a year at Green Acres Nursery and Supply. And Anna, we're out here among all the arriving warm season vegetables and flowers. It's just gorgeous right now out here. What are some of your favorites? what which plant would you if if somebody said, what do you recommend? What would you tell them?
4: Well, I like all the herbs that we're just getting in. They're great for this season. They enjoy the cold weather that we're still getting. So we've got quite a variety of all the herbs. <laughs> Um, we're also just getting in a lot of our spring plants that are exciting and fun. The coleus just arrived this morning, and we've all been waiting to see that. So that's a personal favorite coming in three different colors already.
0: What, what is the one herb that you would recommend to people that you, that they may not have tried that you would like to see them try because it's either tasty or, or does well in the garden? <laughs>
4: Oh, boy, I like a lot of them. I enjoy a lot of the mints, though, that we have, and they're very tasty. We have a pineapple mint. Yeah, that's just a beautiful fragrance as well as a beautiful, sweet flavor. You can make it in a lot of different dishes.
0: Do you have any advice for growing mint? Would you keep it in a container or in a prison?
4: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Keep it as contained as you can. You don't want to let it loose in your herb garden. It can take over everybody.
0: But it is. It has a wonderful aroma. And even just brushing the leaves, you can pick up that scent on a nice warm evening mint. Anna, we're going to have to buy some mint here at Green Acres Nursery and Supply. Thanks for your
4: pick. Excellent. Thank you so much.
0: Parts of our area had thunderstorms, hail, and heavy winds this past week. Now, There's a sign. Maybe wait till April to plant your summer vegetable garden. But there are vegetables that can be planted now, and that include lettuce, carrots, beets, radishes, leeks, and chard. And I tell you what, you can go ahead and plant established varieties of corn if you feel lucky. But otherwise, wait until April when the weather settles down. For a continuous bloom through the summer, plant a few corms of gladiolas each week through early April. Check for snails in their hiding places. Look for them beneath the cool green leaves of low-growing plants or in the woodpile. Use a snail control product that's safe to use around children and pets. Look for the active ingredient iron phosphate mulch does a wonder of good it preserves soil moisture it controls weeds and moderates soil temperature and it feeds the soil as it breaks down so add that mulch beneath existing shrubs and trees out to the drip line but don't pile up the mulch next to the trunk leave a six inch area clear adjacent to the trunk in order to prevent rot issues now i realize i just said wait until april to plant your warm season vegetables well i tell you what Green Acres Nursery and Supply is getting in a wide selection of tomato and pepper plants right now. Shop now to ensure you get the variety you want, and then just keep it safe. How do you do that? Protect young summer vegetable transplants from late March cold snaps with hot caps or other insulating devices such as the season starter plant insulator or other devices. And if you hear that hail is in the forecast, if you have a big bucket around, turn it upside down, place it over that plant until the hailstorm passes. Another option for all those early season purchases of warm season vegetables is keep them in the house, put them in a sunny location, or augment their light with plant lights. You can find a large selection of plant lights and plant stands for keeping those warm season vegetables cozy indoors until April. Find them at your nearest Green Acres nursery and supply store. Thank you for listening to the Green Acres Garden Podcast with Farmer Fred, brought to you by Green Acres Nursery and Supply, now with six locations in the greater Sacramento area and coming soon to Citrus Heights. For more information and to find the store nearest you, visit idiggreenacres.com. And for more great garden information, check out the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. That's available wherever you get your podcasts. Gardeners, we appreciate your ears. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are Fred Hoffman's or his guests. These gardening tips and suggestions may work for you, as well as those from alternative sources available. When using any garden products or tools, read and follow all label directions.